Now, <laughs> this is a movie that has nothing to do. It doesn't. It's not political. This is about the environment, which is not a political animal. The environment doesn't care whether you are left, right, or center. The environment affects everybody. So, Mark, when you first heard about this story, what hit you and you said, oh, no, got to do this? I guess the enormity of it and how, how long it's actually been going on. Um, it's probably one of the greatest cover-ups in uh, American history. And um, it affects everyone in the world now. Yeah. And no, nobody knows about it. Yeah. Mm. And when you well, say, they do now. Well, and they'll know more. <laughs> yeah. When you say it affects everyone, what do you mean? Well, PFOA, um, it, it's pretty much everywhere. It's, they, they first found it in eagle eggs. And, and that's, that's what kind of raised the alarm uh, in the first place. Um, but they found it everywhere. It's in polar bears. It's in 99% of all living creatures on the planet. It's in all of us here. Welcome to D-Next, the Innovation and Entrepreneurs podcast. And I'm your host, Paul Coides. On this episode, we speak with Rob Bellot, the protagonist from the new participant media film, Dark Waters. You knew. Still, you did nothing. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains. Hi, Grammars. What are you doing here? <laughs> Your grandma tells me her grandson's some fancy environment lawyer down in Cincinnati. I am a corporate defense attorney. So? I defend chemical companies. Well, now you can defend me. How many did you lose? 190. 190 cows. You tell me nothing's wrong here. It's a small matter for a family friend. Help a guy who needs it. The farmer or you? That's chemicals, I'm telling you. I'm seeing the documents. I don't understand. They're hiding something. That chemical. What if you drank it? Drank it? It's like saying, what if I swallowed a tire? What if whatever's killing those cows is in the drinking water? At DuPont, better living through chemistry. It's our DNA. You need to tell me what in the hell's going on. DuPont is knowingly poisoning 70,000 local residents for the last 40 years. You knew, still, you did nothing. You want to flush your career down the toilet for some cow hand? You want to take everything that you know and turn it against an iconic American company, like an informant. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Yes. They have all the money, all the firepower, and they'll use it. I know. I was one of them. Our government is captive to DuPont. They're trying to force you to make me stop. He was willing to risk his job, his family, for a stranger who needed his help. The system is rigged. They want us to think it'll protect us. 
protect us. We do. Rob Villa, thank you very much for joining us for D-Next. It's an honor to have you with us. We know how busy you are. Oh, thanks so much for having me. There, this is a really big topic, I think made more popular, obviously through the magic of Hollywood and all that it can do on the good side of the equation. My question is, are you surprised by the reaction this story has had. Is there a new consumer spirit of rebellion in the air? You know, it's um, it, it has been surprising for me to see the reaction as the movie Dark Waters has, has rolled out. You know, this is something I've been working on for, oh gosh, 22 years now to try to bring out to the public's awareness and, you know, at least let people know about this massive public health threat. It's, if anything, I've been amazed at how long it's taken, um, but I've been equally amazed to see how quickly things can change. Um, just within the last year or so, since the movie came out and the documentary and my book, you know, there's been a, a, an incredible amount of change in things I think we can all be very cautiously optimistic that, that things will, will actually be, be be having some, some significant changes here coming soon. So it's a complicated situation in many ways. Can you perhaps summarize for us the status of where things are at right now? Sure. Um, you know, it's it's taken about, as I mentioned, about 22 years to get this story out about the, uh, the threat to all of us from one of these chemicals uh, that are in this big family of man-made toxins known as forever chemicals or per and polyfluoroalkylated substances, PFAS. Um, and you know, for many years, we were trying to get information out about just one of them, PFOA, and the health threat that, that, it's, that was posed by that particular chemical. Um, and now as we're finally seeing that information come out to the wider public, uh, you know, we're seeing steps being taken to try to finally regulate, restrict, and in some places even ban this chemical internationally. Um, and what we've been seeing happen as that information's rolled out, we're starting to learn that this is just, uh, this one chemical is joined by hundreds, if not thousands, of chemicals in that PFAS forever chemical family that are turning up in our air, in our water, in our soil, in our blood all over the planet and people are beginning to realize i think the scope and magnitude of this contamination problem you've got this stuff um, all over the entire world in virtually every person on the planet um, and it's not just one but you know hundreds if not thousands of these chemicals out there uh, i think people are just now realizing um, the, the scope of the problem how serious it is and what we really need to be doing to, to stop it um, and that we can. Uh, I think that's one of the really encouraging things about watching this story come out and after people have seen the film, um, uh, you know, to, to realize that, uh, you know, people can stand up, um, speak out and uh, change can happen from, from getting this kind of information out there to people. 
So just to be clear, these chemicals are in a, they exist in products that are for sale right now that we can go and buy at the grocery store, the shopping centers, et cetera. That's right. That's right. These, these chemicals have been used over the last 50 to 75 years in just a huge variety of consumer products. You know, it's not just Teflon or nonstick coatings, but these chemicals uh, in this family of chemicals have been used in stain resistant, waterproof clothing, carpeting, fast food wrappers and packaging, you know, wire coatings, uh, firefighting foams, you name it. Um, and you know, because of all those different uses um, over the years, the stuff has managed to get out to virtually every corner of the globe. And it's still there. And all, and although we finally are starting to realize the problems related to, to one of these, the focus of the film and the book and the documentary PFOA, um, the, what, what's happened is as we start to phase that one out and finally restrict that one, uh, the companies have moved to, to simply tweak the chemical a bit, uh, change it just slightly, call it something new, and it goes out into our market. And these new chemicals get out into our air, our water, and uh, into our blood. Um, and so it's unfortunately, these things are still out there. Uh, and even as companies have started to move away from some of these chemicals in this chemical family, a lot of those products are still there. They're still on the shelves. They're still in our clothing. They're still in the firefighting foam that's sitting in firehouses and airports all over the world. So simply switching away from making it hasn't eliminated this stuff. It, when these chemicals get out into our environment, they stay there virtually forever. You know, that's why they're nicknamed forever chemicals. They don't break down uh, in natural conditions. So all of this stuff that's been used over the last 50 to 70 years is pretty much still out there until we get rid of it. And it's in these products that are now in landfills and in our homes. And unfortunately, this stuff is all still out there. So it occurs to me that, I, first of all, I'm just shocked that this is even a thing that's happening and that it's really, uh, for the most part, taken the power of a, of a dramatic Hollywood film, maybe to bring this to public. Cognizant your book and documentary notwithstanding, uh, my question is how then how accurate was or is the the dramatic film version of the truth to the actual events as they happen you know i think they did a fantastic job frankly in taking you know this story and what transpired um, over 20 to 22 years and bringing it out as accurately you know as you can in a two-hour film uh, they did a, a tremendous job and the folks that were involved you know, from Mark Ruffalo, uh, who was not only the actor, but producer and the folks that participant to the director, Todd Haynes, they were all incredibly focused and passionate about making sure it was done correctly and, uh, you know, stuck, uh, stuck to the truth, stuck to the facts. You'll see that even some of the real people are in the film. A lot of it was filmed, um, you know, in these locations, for example, uh, a lot of it was filmed in our law offices in Cincinnati. Uh, so I think they did a tremendous job in uh, sticking to um, you know, what actually transpired and what the real impact was on the real people in these communities who had to live through this. 
So Jeff's goal and the team of that participant have certainly taken on a number of these important stories within the apparatus that they have to get the get the messages out. How did that how did how did participants step into the to the bigger picture here? How did that actually come about? Well, you know, in 2016, there was an article that came out in the New York Times magazine that really did a, a pretty comprehensive overview of the history of this problem over the prior 16, 20 years or so. And that was really one of the, 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 the first comprehensive overviews of this whole problem that made its way out into the, into the public. And there was a real strong reaction to that story. And a lot of folks were shocked, frankly, when they read it and to know that something like this not only had happened, but was still happening. Uh, in the United States, you know, right now. And one of the people that was surprised by that was Mark Ruffalo, um, who called actually after reading that story and really wanted to find a way to bring that story out to the wider public. And, you know, he was fortunate enough to team up with the folks of Participant, who, as you indicated, have, you know, a, a tremendous history of of doing, you know, just some incredible films uh, with, with really uh, powerful stories. Uh, and I wanted to make sure, frankly, that, you know, if this was done as a film, that it was being done for the right reasons and it would be done the right way with the right people um, who were not going to over sensationalize it or, or change all the facts around it. So it was a incredible team, an incredible group of people. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have picked better folks to, to have brought this story out. So in the 20 plus years that you've been involved with this and looking at where you are now and looking at back at the 20 years younger or 25 years younger version of yourself back then, how, how has this experience changed you on a personal level? Uh, you know, if, if anything, I think it's um, made me realize that it, it, you know, it may take a make may take a long time, but the truth finally comes out. You've got to stay persistent and focused on on your end goal here. Um, and you know, we had a lot of setbacks over the years. Uh, it was very difficult, you know, to to get this story out. Not only to um, you know the folks that were impacted there in the community, the people drinking this stuff in their water, but to the wider public, to, to the scientific community, to regulators, to legislators, to the, to the general public. Um, that was, it was difficult and we had to find different ways, you know, to try to get this information out. And, um, you know, I think the whole time <laughs> kept sort of hearing in the back of my mind, the voice of Wilbur Tennant, you know, the farmer who started all this when he came to me in 1998 complaining about his cows dying and just saying if people could just see the facts if people just took some time to look at the facts they'd get it you know they'd understand the problem here and that's you know what I've been focused on and um, I guess just kept at this idea that if I can find a better way to get these facts out people will finally get it and um, I think, if anything, I've just learned to, to, to stick to that goal. Um, and eventually, um, you know, those facts will come out. In many ways, this is a classic example of the hero's journey, what, what you've been through, what you're going through now. Were you reluctant at first when this came to your attention? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, when I first got the call from Mr. Tennant in West Virginia back in 1998, yeah, I at that point was eight years into my legal career and most of what I was doing at the time was working with big chemical companies and in our corporate clients, you know, trying to help them comply with all the different federal and state environmental rules and laws. And this was certainly, you know, dead dying cows in West Virginia was certainly not the kind of thing that I was focused on. And, uh, and when, when I started learning about what was happening there and Mr. Tennant and his family was telling me, you know, what they suspected was going on, you know, that there was, you know, that there was a cover up and that information was being withheld. I was incredibly skeptical and, and it took a long time, you know, for me to really realize, um, you know, that this, this was actually happening and that things like this could happen, you know, in the United States in modern times. Um, and so it, it I, you know, I wish I had uh, been more open to, to those facts when I first started, but, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I finally uh, was able to, to, to see what Mr. Tennant was seeing. We're, we're living in a time when, uh, I guess, facts and information are uh, suspect or being weaponized or being challenged. A lot of people aren't sure what to believe. Um, how, uh, how do you reconcile where we're at uh, socially with regards to that, to this mandate that you have to get the information out like how how can people trust what they're reading and hearing and seeing these days you know that's a it's a great question and it's um it's it's really you know sad to see how that's become such an issue lately um but you know in my view if we can at least just provide the raw data and the raw facts out there to folks um, you know, and I think people will, if they at least have the ability to see the, the raw data, the actual facts themselves, draw their own conclusions, um, you know, that, you know, they can, this will make sense and, and they'll see it. Uh, we don't need people filtering it or, you know, uh, uh, you know, spinning it one way or the other. Let them see the data themselves. And that's one of the main reasons uh, I wanted to do the book, Exposure was to have that resource out there, you know, about what really happened, about what really transpired. Because I can't tell you how many times, you know, over the years when I was telling, you know, this story or, uh, you know, trying to, to, to talk to folks to help them understand the scope of this, that people would ask me, well, how, how could something like this have happened? You know, this can't possibly be the case. You, you must... And, and I wanted to have this book that laid it out. This is how it happened. This is why we're at where we're at. And, you know, you can, and when the film came out as well, you had people saying, you know, this never happened. This is all made up. And uh, I wanted that book out there so folks can, can look for themselves and see, you know, what the true facts actually are and what really did happen um, and what, what, Hopefully, people will help, uh, will begin to understand how we got here. You know, what were the forces that led us into this problem, and hopefully, come up with some brilliant ways to get us out of it. Okay, help me understand the size and the scope of what we're talking about here. So, in in a way that we can understand this, how big is the problem? Because I've read some incredible numbers uh, about this, but just give us some 
some idea of what we're talking about here? You know, it really is contamination on a planetary scale that's pretty unprecedented, I think. Um, these are chemicals, this family of PFAS forever chemicals have managed over the last 50 to 75 years to make their way into air, soil, water, living things, including people all over the entire planet. Uh, you know, this is not, you know, you know, you had situations where, you know, you had national media attention, for example, over the contamination of drinking water in Flint, Michigan. That's one city. You know, here you're talking about chemicals that have made their way into drinking water of millions of people all over the globe. And not just in the drinking water, but in the blood of virtually every living creature on the planet. Um, you know, it's in part of it is because of the unique nature of these chemicals, these completely man-made chemicals that have this uh, unique carbon and fluorine chemical bond. That's the part that makes it so difficult for them to break down when they get out into the environment. And it also makes it difficult for living things to get rid of them. You know, we're all exposed to lots and lots of chemicals every day. And fortunately, our bodies are pretty well equipped to, ex to get rid of a lot of them. Well, these chemicals, our bodies can't really get rid of. Uh, and they tend to stick in our blood and build up over time. So even if you're exposed to the tiniest amount of this stuff, from your water or from the air or from products that you're exposed to or food, that stays in you and builds up to the point where now, after this stuff has been unleashed onto all of us without us even knowing about it over the last, you know, who knows how many decades here, it's now at the point where virtually every human on the planet has this stuff in their blood and babies are born with these chemicals in their blood at birth because it's passed from the mother to the baby. So it, even polar bears in the Arctic were finding this stuff in their blood. The chemicals are being found in polar Arctic ice. So this stuff gets up in the air and then, and then moves with the clouds and with rain all over the planet. So it's, it's really uh, uh, you know, contamination of not only in the environment, but of living things, including people, on pretty much an uh, unprecedented global scale, um, which is why you know, I think people are you know, surprised when, when they find out you know, that this has happened because you sit back and you think, you know, how? How can something like this happen? Um, and it's sort of a perfect storm of problems with not only our... Um, you know, our regulatory systems, but with the way in which we, we handle science, with the way in which our legal systems are set up, the legislative systems, all of it sort of led to this perfect storm of planetary contamination. So speaking of perfect storms, and just to point out the obvious, we're living through a, a global pandemic at the moment, and for whether or not uh, it's been an effective response, but the response to the pandemic has been pretty quick. Uh, you know, world governments and all of the organizations and institutions attached to that have organized and responded fairly quickly. Uh, it sounds like what you're talking about is just as devastating, and yet it's been how many years? How, how do you reconcile this? 
Yeah, you know, and this is something that isn't necessarily disconnected even from the pandemic. You know, some of the most recent research on these PFOS chemicals, scientists have, have become very concerned because they tend to have this ability to, to impact our immune systems. And potentially, they've even been linked with possibly decreasing effectiveness of vaccines, uh, certain of these chemicals. So there's real concern about having chemicals like this that have that effect out there when we're all trying to deal with the pandemic right now. But, you know, part of the problem has been, at least with the, the virus, um, you know, people aren't disputing the fact that this stuff is bad <laughs> and we, 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 you know, we, we need to fight uh, the, the virus. We still have uh, companies and entities out there that despite all of the science that's been done, including some of the biggest human health studies done on any chemical, uh, you know, with PFOA, that are out there denying that this, this, this science exists or that th these chemicals pose any risk. Um, you know, it's, it's like what happened with tobacco back in the days when uh, you had companies disputing that tobacco could cause cancer. We're seeing the same thing here with, even though studies have been done and you know massive human studies, you, you see this in the film, you know, the 70,000 people in West Virginia and Ohio that came forward and through seven years of multiple different studies, uh, were able to give data that independent scientists were able to confirm, you know, that these chemicals were linked with disease, including cancer. We still have people out there um, you know, very, very um, adamantly disputing and denying that that science exists. So that's, that's part of the problem and part of the reason it's so important to get this information out to people so that people can see what the actual facts are, what the science really is, um, and can, can, can decide for themselves, you know, and at least take steps to try to protect themselves. I recently did uh, an episode or a masterclass on the roots of the slave trade. Most people are ignorant of the details and the origins of this 400 year long, for the most part, uh, ordeal that really drove a lot of modern wealth accumulation in the modern economy. Any similarities here? I mean, are we partly responsible by buying these products in ignorance? Well, you know, that's that's been part of the problem for so many years is these chemicals have been, you know, used in all of these different products for so many years. A lot of the companies that were actually, um, you know, buying these chemicals uh, and putting them into their products didn't even know, you know, that those chemicals were there in a lot, in a lot of cases. But most of us out there in the consuming public had absolutely no idea these chemicals were in these products or that we were even being exposed. We had no ability to make choices, to protect ourselves, to do anything to move away from them. You know, and it's only been relatively recently that people have even become to understand that this exposure is even out there and that these products may, may have these chemicals. So one of the things we've been trying to do recently is get information out to the public about you know, which companies have used these in the past, which companies are moving away from these chemicals so that people can actually start to hopefully make some choices. But, you know, when, when you, 
when you withhold that information and you cover it up for so many years, it's very difficult, you know, for for people to 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 be able to accept, you know, that that this has happened. Um, you know, it's almost as if, well, how could that possibly have happened? Um, you know, th th this has been going on for so many years that. Uh, you know, somebody would have done something about this if that was really the case. Uh, you know, even in the U.S., I think most people just assume, you know, when they turn that tap on, well, somebody is is making sure there's nothing in that water that's going to be an issue. And I think if anything, this case is really highlighted, you know, that that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, each of us uh, have to have to have to uh, stand up and actually um, figure out, you know, what um, what's what's going into our water, what we're being exposed to, uh, and it's not an easy task. Um, with the rollout of the film Dark Waters, there was a, um, a coalition formed called FightForeverChemicals.com. You know that where these different organizations and groups have gotten together to try to make resources available to people to tell them you know, which products these things were used in, who's moving away from them, so that people can at least start to make that choice. And so in that David and Goliath style of confrontation, because let's be honest, most people, average people, don't have the power to uh, necessarily stand up to the larger companies. You use the, again, the uh, the agent and the apparatus of the law to file the class action suit, uh, which the results of that, maybe you can talk a bit more about uh, the larger sort of implications, apart from just the money and the admitting to the, I guess, to the, uh, to the involvement in it, but what does that class action suit symbolize? Well, I think, I'm hoping that it is inspiring to people to know that we here, at least in the United States, have a legal system where we can go in and actually get things like this fixed. Where, you know, if our regulatory process fails us, uh, if our legislative process is failing, if the scientific world is being manipulated somehow, you st still have this ability to go into a court in the United States and, and get a problem like this addressed. And if anything, I'm hoping you know, this story shows uh, the power of that and that we're able to at least address these issues. I mean, this is something, for example, with PFOA, you know, that even to this day, it is not regulated at a federal level. There's no federal drinking water guideline for this chemical. That is still grinding through the federal process. There is still no federal legislation, you know, restricting these chemicals um, at a federal level in drinking water. That's still being debated back and forth. Um, so at least you've got this ability to go into court and get your water cleaned up and get relief for that. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that's, that, that people understand that that's, that's a powerful tool we have. A lot of countries don't have that ability. And one of the things I've done recently is try to bring in an even bigger uh, case for, you know, our first litigation was focused on the one community along the Ohio River that had this PFOA chemical in the water. What, we're, what I'm now trying to do is bring a case on behalf of everyone in the United States who has this larger group of PFOS chemicals in their blood to require the companies that are still making these things, putting them out there, uh, 
to pay for whatever studies are needed to tell us exactly what they will do to us. If they won't do the science, they won't do the studies, the regulations are, are dragging through, the legislative process is still dragging along. We, you know, we're hoping we can, through the court system, get the science finally done to tell us exactly what this stuff will do to us. Do you think that we are entering into a, a new age, a, a renaissance perhaps of corporate responsibility or what's that going to take? Because I, I, I think about the next generation of entrepreneurs, because that's what largely I focus on. And the similarities between, let's say for instance, uh, mental health and social media addiction, as an example, uh, maybe not as obvious and physical as the stuff that you're talking about, but again, perhaps as esoteric as maybe your subject was 30 years ago. What do you think that uh, this next generation of entrepreneurs will look at how they do business a little bit differently? Or is the profit motive still that powerful that we will just have this problem again in a different form? Well, you know, I think I'm, I'm optimistic that this story is, is having an impact. Um, you know, I've, I've been contacted by different um, um, companies that are, are really wanting to understand this better, to understand how this happens so that it, it won't happen again or that they don't follow uh, into the same uh, path. Um, you know, and again, I think that's the power of, of getting, the inf getting the story out so that people can see, you know, this happened and it happened with one of the biggest, uh, most respected companies there is. Um, and, you know, and again, that's, I think, why it was important for me to explore how it happened in the book, you know, so that people can, can really get a better grasp of what were the, what were the factors that led to this happening? And are there ways that we can do things differently so that doesn't keep happening? And, and I, I really do see a lot of um, interest, uh, increased interest now in trying to make sure that these types of issues are, are highlighted um, within companies, you know, that people are really focused on these kinds of issues. Um, so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Okay, two, two final questions. Uh, one of them is, I guess in many ways, these large companies aren't necessarily the evil empire and that and even there's even reference to this in the film when you see how these large companies fund schools and community centers and they do some good in the community. Is it a, a matter of, you know, that much a division? Do you think it's um, a philosophical mindset on the on the part of these companies that they will make a profit at any cost or is it more of a gradual change? And, and do you feel that these companies do some good? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard. It, I think it's difficult, and it's a dangerous thing to to try to to uh, you know to view that as sort of a a monolithic entity. You know, a company's got lots and lots of people, uh, and there are people working at lots of different levels and dots of different functions. And I think um, what you see, even in this story, um, you know, involving PFOA. Uh, you had a company where there was, and, and again, I, I really try to highlight this more in the book, where you had division within the company, even between its own scientists 
in lawyers and business people. You know, they weren't necessarily all <laughs> on a united front. You had people within the company saying, we shouldn't be doing this. We need to be doing something differently. Um, so I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't think you can necessarily, um, you know, group everyone together like that. But it's, it's, it's important to see what were the dynamics within these companies that allowed that, um, uh, you know, that, that problem to, 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 to continue. Even, even when you had people warning the company from within, including their own lawyers, to do things differently. Why did it not happen? So hopefully that'll be um, the story that people will learn from and, and be able to do things differently. Okay, so what is next for you on this journey and what do you think is the most important thing people should know? Well, we are, you know, I'm still working with folks all over the country that are impacted by these chemicals, you know, that are now facing, for example, uh, states or water providers that are trying to figure out, you know, how in the world to get this out of the water and to find the money to clean this stuff up and to hold those responsible, you know, who put this stuff out in the environment. So I'm still working on that. Unfortunately, you know, it's popping up all over and so you know, the litigation continues um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going to see some steps finally being taken uh, on the federal level on the to restrict and really um, start um, you know minimizing these chemicals going forward um, and you know I'm hoping that overall when people step back and look at the story uh, particularly if they're able to see the film Dark Waters or read the book Exposure or even the documentary um, Devil We Know that what they see is the power of an individual and a community coming together uh, even against you know what may be, seem to be the biggest most insurmountable forces there are uh, it, that they can do it you know that it just takes one person you know like Wilbur Tennant in West Virginia standing up saying there's a problem and insisting you know that something be done about it and it can be done and you know just one individual taking those actions or communities coming together the power of that um, is incredible and and i'm hoping that's the inspiration people get when they look at this story okay and with that i will say thank you and uh, let's keep up the good fight thank you robert thanks so much thanks for having me Getting kind